morning, everyone. I hope you have a meaningful fast. Dedicating the class for Four Shlema, for David Nachman, for Nechabit Shifra, and for Harold Bas Miriam. And um, for Shlema. So, we learned yesterday that, um, that the mission that the it says that you don't if someone's bought property that was stolen. And he, um, and then the original, you know, the original owner claims it. So it can, the uh, the buyer cannot collect the profit that he made from the from the field. He cannot uh, he cannot collect the profit uh, that he made from the field um, from from the one who bought. From uh, from so, from the Ganif, from the one who sold it to him. So, if he owns pro- if he owns property, if he has money, he can collect everything from him. He says, "You bought me a bill, of, you sold me a bill of goods. So give me back the principal and give me back all what about third all the profits." No, I'm talking about it. He's an innocent party. He bought land. I thought you, it's yours. You claim that you owned it. I bought it from you, and now it's taken away from me because you are not the owner. I'm left with nothing, so you have to pay me back. You have to pay me back the principal that I gave you, all the money that I gave you. Give me back the money and all the profits. I invested in the land, I, 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 all the profits in the land. But what if he doesn't have any money? All he has is he sold everything. The, the ganif, the thief, sold property. So this property is mortgageable to pay up his obligations. So it's already, it's already, there's a lien on this property to pay up the person he sold it to, the other one he sold it to, and he sold him a bill of goods, claiming as if, pretending as if it's his property to sell. So, so if he's collecting the principal, to collect the principal, the money that he laid out, that he can go back, that there's a lien on the property. So if the ganif, if the thief, sold the property to someone else, after he sold it to this guy, he can go, my lien comes before your, before your. So I take the property to pay for the money that I lost, that I paid for the property. But he can't, there's no lien on the fruit, on the, on the profit. If, if the field improved and there was fruit and there was profit, that he can't collect from more mortgageable properties. If the Ganif has property and has money, collect it from him. But if he has nothing and he sold property, he says, why not? He owes it. I mean, he, he sold him and he worked the field and there was profit. And he, if he has money, he has to pay. So why shouldn't that be a lien on the property that he sold? So he said, the one answer, yesterday we gave it learned because since it's in the future when he bought it, yes, there was the sale was, was known. It was a document, he bought sold property, but the profit is something that's unknown, it's unknown numbers in the futures, futures. So that doesn't have, that's not a lien. A lien is only something that's public knowledge. So when the innocent third party bought the land afterwards, he should have known there's a lien, do a title search. But this is this is like a Lufgeschäft. I, yeah, in the future, if he'll make profit, that's not something that's a lien that you, that's on the pro, on the property. Rabbi Chanina, Rabbi Chanina gives a different answer. He says because there's no limit to it. The sky is a limit. I mean, a lien is something definite. This is the value that you paid for the property. This is the lien. This is the amount of lien of the property. You can't have something indefinite lien. What if he he, he profits the field and the field yields a gigantic profit? I'm on the line for something. There's no limit. That that's there's no lien. Something that there's no limit. You can't make a lien. 
we left off at the last line of 50b. The students asked, Is it required that the obligation be fixed and also written? In other words, he can't collect. There's no lien unless it's written and it's fixed. A Dilma, we continue on 51a. A Dilma, perhaps. For example, maybe even if it's an oral loan, there's no document. But if it's a fixed amount, then it is a lien on the property. The answer is Tashma. will bring your proof. We'll answer this question. Itma we learn. Someone who died. And he left two daughters. Uben. And a son. He left two daughters and a son. And the first daughter proceeded. She gets 10% of the estate for a dowry, for a wedding, to marry her off. That's the... So he says, And before the second daughter had a chance to collect her dowry, now the son died. So all that's left are the two sisters. So now they, they divide equally. She got her 10%. What happens is the sons inherit, not the daughters. But they have to take care of the sisters. Marriage, because that's what the father would want. That the sisters should go and be able to get married. No, when, only for marriage. She's not married. They have to give her, feed her, and take care of her. But, uh, you know, her living expenses. But to get married, they have to give her 10% of the estate. To give her a dowry, she'll be able to marry well. But then, then it turns out that the, the, before the second one had a chance to get married and to take 10%, the whole thing, uh, the son died, and now they inherit. The two sisters inherit. So they divide it equally. She can't say, well, maybe I should deduct the 10% that you got. Let me take 10%. No, no. What happened, happened. Vitra. Yes. She forfeited her rights. The rabbi said even a more, even a more novel ruling than this. We collect for her parnasa, for her dowry. We don't collect for the daughter's sustenance. In other words, if someone bought the land, someone bought land, from the uh, from the estate, so we collect for the dowry, but we don't from the per- from the buyer, but we don't collect to, 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 for nourishment. The holds that only a fixed sum you could only collect for a fixed sum. Only there's only a lien for a fixed sum. So if someone bought her father's land, she can't collect. She can't collect the uh, sustenance because there's no, there's no fixed sum. It's not a fixed amount. Versus for the dowry, there is a fixed amount, 10%. And you're saying that she forfeited the right to collect the dowry? If you can collect from land that was sold, surely she can collect from her sister. The dowry, 10% is hers. Before they, they divide it equally, let it get a 10%, and then whatever is left over, they should divide equally. Why should she lose that on the 10%? Okay, 
So what do we see from this? Well, Parnasa, the dowry, the Meketz Kaiser, it is a fixed amount. But Mechtev like Sivit. A dowry, yes, is a fixed amount. He says. He distinguishes. He says, he says um, uh, to, uh, sustenance is not a fixed amount, so you can't collect from the buyer, from the third party. But the dowry is a fixed amount. Yes, it is a fixed amount, but the it's not written. So you see, he holds that a lien doesn't have to be written. As long as it's a fixed amount, even like an oral loan, it's not a documented loan, also there's a lien on the property. But commitsi, and you take out, but the answer is no. Shiny, it's no proof. Shiny, pandas. A dowry is different. Even this, like, call the quantity of them. Since there is, it has a report, there's a voice, people know about it. It's an institution. Everyone knows this is the rabbis enacted that if there's a daughter that's single, they're going to take 10% of the estates. Everyone knows about it. There's no secret. It's as if it's written. But an oral loan, an undocumented loan, it's not written. It doesn't matter that it's a, it's a fixed amount. It has to be both written and fixed. Only then do you have a lien on the property. Okay, so Ula said that uh, anything that's unrecorded, you can't be collected from the third party. Well, he said you can't collect the fruits because it's, it's undocumented. The prophets, it was undocumented. From the third party, it's undocumented. As we learned in the Mishnah, in Ksuvis, we already learned this, Mesu. If both men died, their own daughters are fed from property that wasn't sold. Isn't the Mishnah there? What if a, 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 a person marries a woman and as part of the marriage commitment he says, I'm going to take care of your daughter, not my daughter, your daughter from a previous marriage. A few years go by, he divorces her, she remarries another, another person. And that person also commits to take care of the other daughter, not his daughter. The daughter from, from the first marriage, this is marriage number three. And then they both die. This, 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 this marriage number two, the husband, marriage number, number two, marriage number three. So, so, so she survives two husbands. She survives, yeah, she survives two husbands. And now, over there, it says, when they're alive, what do they do? Is they both committed to take care of, to take care of her. How many times do they give her? So he says, one has to feed her, and one gives her the equivalent money. You committed. So she's double dipping. <laughs> two husbands are responsible for alimony. They took upon themselves. They're going to they're take care of her and take care of in, even in divorce or death, you're going to take care. That's the, that's the commitment of marriage. You're going to take care of me and my family. You said that. You promised. You're going to take care of my daughter, even though it's not your daughter. It's not your biological daughter, but that's part of taking care of me. So you committed. Both of them committed. So she gets, uh, she gets, uh, she gets double. The mission is one of them has to give her food, and one of them gives her money. The equivalent. He doesn't, I don't need how much food do I need. I don't need double the amount of food. So one of them has to give me money, the amount of food. One of them is to give us a food. It comes like an adoption and you're responsible. You took responsibility. Now, what if when they both die? So he says you could only collect from land that the two husbands who died own, not land that they sold. You can't, there's no lien on the property if they sold it to the third party. Before the marriage? Whatever, it doesn't matter. After when. But the wife 
but did he? No, I'm saying Binna is saying their own daughters and Chasim Their own daughters could only be fed from. There's no lean. Like we said, food there's no there's no um, there's no limit, so there's no uh, fixed price. So therefore, there can't be a lien on any property. So they only get fed from any money that the estate has, but not from anything that was sold. But the he, but the woman's daughter is fed even from the chasim even from there's a lien for the obligation that they made for the stepdaughter. There's a lien. Why? Because she's like a creditor. It's not part of the marriage obligation. It's like a creditor. A creditor can collect his obligation. There's a lien on even land that he sold. It's not like your own daughter. Your own daughter could only collect, your own biological daughter could only collect from the land that's unsold. The reason is because over here, we're talking about a case where he said he committed for five years. I'm going to take care of your daughter. It was a definite, there was a time limit, an expiration date. So therefore, it's like fixed, not forever. With the own daughters, it's indefinite. So therefore, there's no lien on a property. Anything that's indefinite can't be a lien. A lien has to be something definite. An indefinite commitment can't be a lien on the property. That's what we decided. The question was, maybe there was no document there. So we see that even if it's undocumented, even if it's un- not written, there's a lien. So the Gemara answers, you know, we're talking about my skin. Here we're talking about The witnesses acquired the commitment from the person's hand. He made a commitment. It's not just a verbal obligation. So it's as if it's recorded in a document. There's witnesses. He, he made an acquisition. He could have just made a verbal commitment. No. He made a kidney in front of the witnesses. So therefore, it's, it's public knowledge. It becomes public knowledge. It's something real. If that's the case, then even your own daughters should also collect food from, from, from the... There should be a lien for their food. We're talking about a case where there were witnesses and, and, a, and a Kenyan for the commitment for the stepdaughter, but not for his daughters. My Pascha, why, why would a person make a commitment for a stepdaughter and not for his daughters? The mother says... He wanted to marry the woman. He says, Bas have a Kenyan, Mahanala Kenyan. The reason is, no, he made a Kenyan for both of them, but the difference is, the stepdaughter was present when he made the Kenyan. She was already born. She already exists. So therefore, she, therefore she can collect from the buyer. His own daughter. When he made a Kenyan, he was getting married. She wasn't born yet. Therefore, it doesn't help. A Kenyan won't help since she's not present. And um, why? Because you can't make a Kenyan. You can't commit to someone who doesn't yet exist. It, it's it's in the futures. Futures have, have no have no hold. It's not something real, something substantial. The daughter he made a commitment to the stepdaughter. She was she was present when he made the commitment. She existed when she made a commitment. It doesn't have to be present at the Kenyan. She was existed, but the daughter, his own biological daughter, didn't exist yet. Sigmar says, "Milo yaskinan daavetavayevushaskinian." Is you can't think of a case where both. His biological daughters and his stepdaughter were present. How is this? The Gersha. He divorced the woman after she bore him daughters. And then he returned her. And when he remarried her, that's when he made the commitment. So the daughters, because there's a scenario where his biological daughters were there at the time of marriage. How could his biological daughters be present at the time of the marriage? 
the second chuppah, they, because they, this is a remarriage. <laughs> Divorced and remarried. Can't make up his mind. Ella rather The daughter eats not because of his kin. He eats from his state because the bezin made a condition. Therefore, a kinyan won't help. There's no commitment. The bezin doesn't force you to make commit to his stepdaughter. You don't have to adopt her as a stepdaughter. You don't have to take care of her. You're just doing it willingly. So therefore, manal kinyan. Therefore, an kinyan helps. You're doing it voluntarily. Even if you, if a, if a, if a person does not include in the ksuva, you're not obligated to feed your stepdaughters. But I have no connection to them. It's not my daughter. What do you want from my life? Let her father take care of her. Not me. It's not my daughter. But the, but your own daughters. We're not asking you. It's a commitment. You must. The bezdin is forcing you to do it. So why, why does that make it worse? Because the court, court forces him. So why not? Why shouldn't there be a lien? Why is that any worse if he does it voluntarily or if the court forces him to feed his own daughters? So if it's a stepdaughter, she could collect. There is a lien on the third party. But for his own daughter is not. Why? Because first, A, he wants. He also wants. And the court is, will force him even if he doesn't want. So why is that worse? Why does that make it worse? Ella rather, the mother says, Because because there's a the court forces him to feed his children, so we can say that the father secretly left her bundles of coins to take care of her. So therefore, how can you collect from the purchaser? We don't know what happened. Since the court forced you anyway, surely you made provisions for her. A father made provisions for his own biological daughter, and the court forces you, compels you to take care of her. So maybe you gave her money, and enough to feed her. So why? So the, the purchaser, the third party, say, there's no lien on my property. How can you take my property? Prove to me that, that your father didn't uh, make provisions, other provisions for you. Versus, versus when there's no Tnaibezin, he does it voluntarily, so then we don't suspect that he made, he, made, uh, he made provisions secretly for his stepdaughter. Contrary, for his own daughter, he made provisions. For his stepdaughter, he's not making any secret provisions. So therefore, there is a lien on the property. And the third party is aware. Yes, earlier, according to Rabbi Chandina, does it require for the document to be recorded? Or all that matters is that it's a fixed sum, even if it's not recorded. It's an oral loan, undocumented loan. If also there's a lien. Tashma, I'll bring you a brew. We learned Nebuchadnezzar, I'm Rabbi Rabnosan. Rabnosan says, Imasai. So he says, When do we say. When do we say that someone, someone bought stolen land? He didn't know that he was sold a bill of goods. People steal, people steal identity theft every day. They steal. That's why at closing. Right. He got away with it, and then the land was seized by the rightful owner. And the, the land was seized by the rightful owner. And then he comes to collect all the improvement that he made in the land. Not only does he want his money back, the buyer wants the money, he wants all the improvement. So we said that when, so when did we say you, that you can't collect, you can't be compensated for the lost improvement from a third party who bought the land from the Ghana, from the thief, after you bought the land? He says, It's only when the second buyer, his purchase preceded the improvement of the first buyer. But if 
the improvement of the second one, of the first one, happened before the second one, so there's already a lien on the property. So he gave him a chasm, then he can collect from the second buyer, the first buyer collecting the second buyer, uh, compensation for all his improvement. So Alma, we see, the only reason that you can't is because it didn't, it didn't precede it. The reason why the first buyer is able to collect the improvement from the second buyer is because the second buyer did not precede the improvement. So we see Ramnasan holds that even though it's unrecorded, you could collect. It's unrecorded. The improvements are unrecorded. You could collect from the from the second one from from the debtor. Or you could collect from the third party. There is a lien. The mother says tanoi. It's actually a tanoi. This opinion, Rab Nassim, is not universal. Tani ulin neberai say metziin lachilus peders. You can't collect from the third party, the one who bought the land. There's no lien on lachilus peders for the consumption of produce, for the improvement, the enhancement of the land, for the food, for the sustenance of a person's wife and daughters. You can't collect, there's no lien on any of these obligations from encumbered property, from mortgageable property, from land that was sold. For the benefit of society. Because they're not recorded. So how does anyone know? Then the, there won't be any commerce. All commerce will come to a standstill. We paralyze. I don't know. Tomorrow someone's going to come and grab. I can't anticipate it. Like this, if it's public knowledge, if it's something that's uh, written and documented, I can do a title search and I'll know all the liens. Rabbi says, What is... In this case, why do you need a special enactment? Either way, you can't collect it. For another reason. Because it's, 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 it's no fix. It's not a fixed. It's not a fixed rate. It's not a fixed rate. Right? So therefore, anyway, you can't collect. You don't need to make a special enactment. Because otherwise... You can't protect yourself. If there's a lien, there's a fixed rate, I can deal with it, I can make a decision. The sky is the limit. I don't know how much food there's going to be and I don't know how much improvement or how much profit. So therefore, so this argument in Ula and Abba Hanina, that whether something that has, that's not fixed, could there be a lien on anything that's not fixed? Or... It must be recorded, only something that's recorded. We see that this, this is the argument in this Braise. The Tanakamu said, the Tanakamu says that you could collect. You could collect on, on uh, uh, even mounts, even. even Unrecorded obligations. You could. Uh, he says unrecorded obligations. Y- 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 you can't collect. Like Ula says, like the Tanakam, unrecorded obligations can't be collected. That's tikkunoylam because otherwise, uh, otherwise all commerce will come to a standstill. If it's not written, how am I supposed to know about it? And Abachanina holds a who says that because it's fixed, anything that's not fixed. 
There's no lien. Okay, it says in the mission of Amitzim, it's Anyone who finds a lost property, you don't swear. So, and then the person who you, the person who owned the property, the person who owned the lost object, argues that you found more. You don't have to swear. Let's say he says you you bring him a hundred dollars. I found a hundred dollars. There were two hundred dollars there. There were two hundred dollars in the wallet. You pocketed a hundred. Usually you would have to swear. It's a ma'idah a partial admission. The rabbis made an enactment for to, to enactment for the improvement of society, the benefit of society. You don't have to swear because otherwise, who's going to get involved? I don't want to get involved. I'm going to be a I'm going to be a good a good Samaritan. I'm going to pick up the object. I gain nothing from it. I'm just doing you a favor. And the next thing you know, you're going to sue me. It's like in New York today. If you help someone who's in trouble, they're going to arrest you. So who wants to, who, why bother? I mean, who, who's, going to, who's going to want to get involved? So therefore the rabbis say, you don't have to swear. That was the mission. If he says, you found two purses, two wallets together, tied together. I only found one. Nishbai has to swear that he found only one. It's a partial admission, like anything else. If he says, you brought me back one axe, very nice of you. But there were actually two axes tied together. Well, no, they only found one. He doesn't have to swear. My timer, what's, what's, why the difference between the two oxen and the two purses? Because Shvarim and Nati Adadi, it's very possible that they were tied, but the oxen are live beings, living beings, living creatures, and they, and they pulled apart. Kiss and Nati Adadi, but the pocket, uh, purses, wallets are not, uh, not uh, pocketbooks are not, are not pulling on each other. So if they were tied, why shouldn't they be tied? Abitsa continues. He says, You found two oxen. He says, Yes. The finder says, I did find two oxen, but I already returned one of them to you. And I'm giving you the second one. And he's in this way, he has to swear. He has to swear. Yeah, it's a partial admission. With certainty, he says, With certainty, you returned it to me. I'm saying, With certainty, you never returned it to me. That I know. In the previous case, I don't know. Maybe you did find one. I can't say for sure, for sure you found two tied together. Maybe they, uh, they pulled apart. They pulled the string and they were separated. But here he can say for certain, and therefore over there he doesn't have to swear. He says, I only found one. I'm certain and you're just speculating. Oh, you found two. No, I didn't. But here he's not speculating. He claims, I already returned you one. I'm returning you the second one. He says, what are you talking about? I never got, I never got anything from you. So the question is, Rabbi Yitzchok, Leslie, Amazing Tzila Yeshava, goes against our Mishnah. The Mishnah says that there was an enactment by the rabbis for the benefit of society that, that if someone who finds a Mitzia, you can't be sued. Otherwise, no one's going to bother. So, how can Rabbi Yitzchok argue with this? But the answer is we continue on side B, 51B. Rabbi Yitzchok holds like the opinion of Rabbi Yitzchok who argues with our Mishnah. There are times when a person swears in response to his own claim. Ketzad, how is this? Mon, Allah, Vichabiyati. 
If a person says to an orphan, a man belonging to your father was in my possession. I owe your father a hundred dollars, right? Vechalti pras, but I paid him half. He has to swear that he repaid half. In other words, he's, he's causing himself to pay. He admits that he owes half, so it's like a it's a partial admission. No, Rabbi say in this case he doesn't swear. Why? Because the children don't know anything. So whatever he's giving them is like restoring a lost object. They, they have no claim. They don't know what hit them. It's between him and his father. They don't know what, what went on between him and his father. He doesn't, have to be, he doesn't have to say anything. He doesn't even have to come to them. He's coming to them and letting them know, here, I have money for you. I, I owe your father money. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. Thank you. It's like a lost item. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to sue me? Now you're going to claim, but, but I'm saying 50 I already gave him. I'm just giving you 50. I own you only 50. Now you're going to sue me for the other 50? You know what? Goodbye. I mean, you're never going to hear from me. I'll never, I'll never show up. So obviously the Tanakhama disagrees. Rabbi Lezim and Yaakov disagrees with the rabbis. He doesn't agree with, he doesn't agree with this whole concept, with this enactment. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yitzhak. He disagrees in all cases. He doesn't accept. What do you mean? I mean, it's, it's a universally accepted enactment. I have to say that, because otherwise, no one is going to bother. Who's going to be a good Samaritan? Why in the world should I bother? I don't get a penny for it. I don't get a thanks. Well, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get a lawsuit. <laughs> Not only am I trying to do a mitzvah, I'm trying to help. You're going to end up suing me and make me swear. And I don't want to swear. And he doesn't hold of that concept. How can he argue on this concept? But Rav, Rav answers with Tony Nikot. Yaakov speaking at a case where the minor makes a claim against the debtor. The orphan is a minor. And he claims he knows that the father, that this borrower owes his father money. And he claims it was, it was never paid. So since there's a claim, so therefore it's not like someone who lost property, returning lost property. Returning lost property is, if out of the blue, suddenly someone shows up at the shiva and he tells the kids, you know, I owe you my father money. It's undocumented. No one ever knew about it. Mm-hmm. He could have been quiet and, and you no know, one would ever know he doesn't have to pay a penny. Wow, what a good Samaritan. So in that case, it would make sense why you, know, you, can't, you can't sue him. It doesn't make sense. So no swearing, we believe him, whatever you say, just give. But in this case, there is a minor who claims, who has a claim. He says, I know, you owe, you owe my father money. And he didn't pay anything. So even though he's a minor, Elizabeth Yaki says, yeah, but it's not out of the blue. It's not, it's not a good Samaritan who suddenly out of the goodness of his heart came and admitted. He was, uh, this young boy is looking him in the face and he's telling him, you owe, you owe us money. So he can't lie. So he, he says, oh yeah, 50% I owe you. The other half I already paid. So, but the rabbis say no. But the rabbis say no, that, that since he's a minor, he's not serious, so therefore he can just dismiss the minor. What, what do you know? What are you talking about? You can just do this in a cell. Does a minor have any standing? But now we learn, you can't make someone swear in an argument of a cheresh, someone who's deaf mute, a shaita who's insane, or cotton, he's a minor. So how, how does this trigger an oath, a claim of a minor? 
Gemara says, my cotton, cotton. We're talking about an adult. My cotton, why is he called minor? Like you said, in relation, he doesn't know anything about his father's, father's affairs. He, he's not completely aware of his father's affairs. Just like a minor is not aware of his own affairs. When it comes to his father's affairs, he's like a minor. He doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, why does Ablazim and Yaakov say this is a case where he swears on his own claim? It's not his own claim. There's a claim, there's an adult who's standing here and says, I know for certain that you owe money. Yes, it's a claim of others, but it's his own admission that he could have denied the whole thing. So therefore, he's saying it's as if it's his own claim, his own admission, and that's what forces him to play. All claims are that way. All claims are other people claiming, and he could have denied the whole thing. Instead, he's admitting. What makes this case unique? This is a regular case. And if he's certain, if the adult is certain, his father told him, or he stood that he was present at the time of the loan, he's claiming for certainty that you owe money to us, to my father, and you have to pay us. So why do the rabbis disagree and say he doesn't have to swear? It's not a standard, regular case of a partial admission. Going back to the previous answer, that we really we're talking about it's a minor. The claim is from a minor. I ask a minor has no standing. Oh, the rabbi come before you. They're disagreeing. Rabbi Lezim and Yaakov and the rabbis disagree in, in the rabbi's teaching. Why would the title say that you have to swear in a partial admission? You have to swear. The, 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 the claimant has no evidence. There's no proof. He says, you owe me $100. I say, no, I only owe you 50 Why in the world would I have to swear? You have proof? There's no document. You claim, and I disagree. So why should I, why should I pay? Just because I admit, if I said nothing, I wouldn't have to, nothing. If I deny the whole thing, I wouldn't have to pay anything, biblically. So if I'm denying 50 and I'm, I'm willing to give you 50 why, why should I have to swear? What's the logic? I'm doing you a favor. It's, it's like finding a lost object. I don't even have to respond to you. You claim. I, I can make any claim against you. It's okay, foolish. It doesn't mean anything. I don't know you. I don't know what you're talking about. Have a nice day. <laughs> I'm kind enough and nice enough to come forth and say, you know what? 50. I owe you 50. So why, why do you punish him that he has to pay? He has to swear on the other 50. There's another point here that if a person knows that he's going to have to swear, you think he's going to come clean and say, I owe you 50. I don't need a headache. I can just, goodbye, I don't know you. Do I ever meet you? Do I know you? You have no proof. You just claim it. Claim it. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So have a nice day. I don't, have to, I don't even have to pay attention to you. Just a, so why, why in the, if I would come forth and there's no oath on me, you're not making life hard on me, I'll come forth and I'll say, okay, I owe you 50. But if you're going to then turn around and drag me to court and now suddenly I become the bad guy and now I have to swear on the Torah, well, goodbye. I don't know you, I don't want to hear from you. You're not getting a penny. Right. So why, why did the Torah say that you must swear?
because we have a chazaka presumption. A person is not chutzpedik to deny his obligation in the face of his creditor. You can't look at a guy who is kind enough. You needed money. You were desperate. And he lend you the money that you needed. And now you're going to look him in the eye and say, you never lend me money. You don't have the heart. You don't have the, the ability. Such chutzpah. You just can't do that. How can you look me in the face? I saved the day for you. You were desperate. And now you're going to deny that I lend you money. A person, unless a person is psychotic or a person is, is, is a cold... Uh, you know, any person with a little conscience, you can't. You can't do that. How can you bring yourself to, to lie like that? Mm-hmm. It's not possible. It's not an option. But you don't want to pay. You know, someone who did you a favor, you, you, can't, you can't look him in the eye and deny. So, really, I don't want to pay anything. But I, want to, I don't want to pay the whole thing. So therefore, so therefore I make a partial admission. Really, I owe you 100%. And I want to deny 100%, but I can't. So, you know, the, uh, yeah, 50. I owe you 50. Half of it. So it's not totally chutzpah, but it's, I get some, he gets some, I get some. So that's what the Taylor says. We require him to swear. So therefore, you can't say that he's, he's a big good Samaritan. The reason, the fact that he's coming clean and he's saying that he owes 50 is like a good Samaritan. No, it's only a good Samaritan if he can deny everything, but he can't deny everything. He can't look the guy in the face who did him the favor, who knows the truth, and look with a straight face, unless he's a politician, with a straight face, lie to him 100%. Open, blatant lie. He just can't. Unless you're the imposter or other politicians. In reality, maybe he wanted to admit the whole thing. Because again, he can't lie to someone who did him a favor and lie to his face. Badly, the reason he doesn't admit the entire thing is to move the commercial. He doesn't have the money. So he thinks to himself, when I'll have the money, I'll pay him. In the meanwhile, let me pay what I have. I could give him 50 now. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm planning to pay back. I'm not a ganif, and I'm an honest person. And he did me a favor. But I, I don't have. So let me say I owe him 50, I'll pay him 50, and when I'll have, when I'll, at my own good time, then I'll pay him. So I'm Rahman of the Merciful and said, Hashem said, Ramishfu, I love it, throw, impose an oath on him, in order that he should admit the whole thing. How could you make him swear then? If he's a liar, if he's willing to lie, how could you believe his oath? He's saying, no, he's really a good person. He's not a, he's not a, he's not a, he wants to do the right thing. But he just figures I have to, I need a little leeway, I need a little space. So he's planning to pay the whole thing. If he was a Ghanif, he's planning to steal, then what are you going to put a Ghanif on the, on the stand? Of course, a little lie, cheat and steal, and swear falsely also. But here, he really wants to do the right thing, and he's planning to pay the whole thing. But he thinks, you know, let me make it in a way that's easier for me. So therefore, you make him swear, and, and he'll, once he swears, he's an honest person. He's not going to lie. He's not going to take an oath and lie that he only owes 50 when in truth he only owes it full on. Mm-hmm. So therefore, there's no difference whether the claimant is the creditor himself or his son. The same principle applies. The, 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 the borrower doesn't have the chutzpah, just like the borrower doesn't have the chutzpah to look in the father's eyes, the actual lender, and lie to him. He also can't look in the children's eye, the children of the lender, 
and lied to them and said, I don't, I never borrowed from your father, I only borrowed 50. He, you know, he doesn't have, he can't lie and deny the whole thing. Therefore, he's not not doing anyone any favors like anyone else. I can, I can, um, Therefore, the Torah says you have to swear. He's not doing the children any favor. He can't himself. He can't bring himself to lie to deny someone who did him a favor. You, the children's father did him a favor. He can't look at the children's face and tell them a bold lie that the father never lent me. He can't. So therefore, he's never. So therefore, he's not doing them a favor by admitting. Therefore, he has to swear. Rabban and Sabri, the rabbi is old. No, boy, you ain't amazed. He's not brazen to lie to the lender, the father. Abba Benoi, amazed. It's children. They're strangers to me. So I can very calmly deny the whole thing. I don't know you, you don't know me. You don't. And therefore, the fact that I'm returning 50. I'm being a good Samaritan. I'm doing. I'm doing something. Something special. So logical, common sense is that we're not going to sue him. Now you're forcing him to to, to to swear. He'll never come clean. I'll never come clean. Goodbye. I don't need this headache. I don't need this hassle. You'll never see me. I'm not going to admit a penny. They don't know anything about it. They don't know. I can get away with it. I don't need the, the headache. I'm being kind. I'm coming forth. Being a man, so now you're going to sue me also. So therefore, there's no oath. Well, to be continued tomorrow, we'll do the Mishnah on the top of page 52a of a meaningful fast. Uh,